Welcome to the HDFS Careers Podcast, the podcast featuring informal conversations with family science majors about their professional journeys. My name is Erica Jordan. Today, I will be sharing my interview with Allison Short. I met Allison through a recommendation from my former guest, Dr. Erica Mikowski, who spoke very highly of her and her work. Thanks for the recommendation, Dr. Mikowski. Allison is currently the Program Manager for Community Day Services. She earned a bachelor's degree in human environmental sciences with a concentration in human development and family studies from the University of Missouri, Columbia. She also holds the Qualified Intellectual Disabilities Professional, QIDP, credential. In this episode, she discusses how she found the field of HDFS and her professional experiences to date. As is true for all interviewees on this podcast, Allison's views are her own as a private citizen and do not reflect the views of her current, former, or future employers. Without further ado, here's her interview. Well, welcome to the podcast, Allison. Hi, it's so great to be here. I'm so great to ha- I'm so glad to have you here. Excuse <laughs> me. I'm so glad to have you here, and thanks for taking the time to speak with me. Um, just to start things off, can you tell me a little bit about how you first discovered the field of HDFS as an undergraduate? Well, it's kind of a long story for me personally. I came at it from a different angle. Um, when I got to the University of Missouri, where I eventually graduated from, I was a journalism major, or at, at the school, it's called a pre-journalism major because you have to show your bona fides and then you get to be a journalism major. So because my passion, and it still continues to be, a hobby of mine is, is writing and creative writing, but um, I couldn't necessarily uh, major in creative writing. I mean, you can, but there's a side story about that. Okay. So I got into, <laughs> I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to be a journalist. And um, I, so I started at Mizzou and uh, as a pre-journalism major and it, it didn't, it didn't work for me. And um, I'll kind of go into some of those details in a second, but it didn't work for me. So I went into, a different field uh, after having conversation with my friend um, who said, well, if you didn't have to stay here, what would you do? Mm. And cause you know, it was like the expectation that I had to stay in college that there was no like dropping out and thinking about it for a year or two. Like it was just like, you have to keep going. You've gotten this far. I was about halfway done. Yeah. You know, I was in my sophomore year. And so um, I said, well, I think I'd go back and work at that school um, with the, that had, I worked at a school briefly that um, served children with autism and um, in a very unique environment. And he said, well, why don't you find a job that does that? And I was like, oh my God, I never thought about doing this as a job. Like I was like, just like, it was just like a little thing. Like, cause my mom was a special ed teacher and she was a, um, well, she is retired now, but she was a special ed teacher and administrator for many years. And um, I didn't want to do that because I felt like, in a school environment, it's a little bit different. And it's felt like not, not what I wanted to, to do. And I also was just trying to like, not be like my parents, you know, <laughs> like that was like really important to me. And cause I'm like 20, you know, so like, what do I know? So, <laughs> you know, I don't want anything to do with them. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to be like them. So I, um, I chose a different path and I did a little research at, 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 uh, Missouri and found out that they had this thing in the College of Human Environmental, Human Environmental Sciences that was called Human Development Family Studies. And I was like, I think that that's what I need to major in. Like, wow. forget this journalism stuff. Yeah. And so I transferred into that school um, about, I think it was about the second semester of my sophomore year and started to catch up with um, the prerequisites for that program and, and get into that. So it did delay my graduation by uh, like a semester, but I did, I was able to ultimately graduate in the thing that I really wanted to do and that helped me in my career. Yes. Back, back to why I felt obligated to stay in college and, and, and do something that I could get a job and stuff was um, I'm the first uh, female in my dad's family to graduate from college. Mm. And my parents are both first generation um, college graduates. None of my four grandparents graduated from college. Um, everyone is from a very, uh, working class background. And, um, I couldn't go back home without having something that was gonna get me a job. Basically, mm-hmm. basically when I went to school, my parents were very clear about the expectations for why I was going to college. It wasn't to have fun. It was to get a job. Mm. And unfortunately I had a lot of fun in college and that didn't please them very much. But 
I, <laughs> I did have a lot of fun in school. A lot, I did. It was great to go to a big state school and enjoy all those kind of things. But I didn't feel like I could do something like major in creative writing or English because, well, I would have to go home and explain <laughs> to my parents yeah. why I was spending all the money to get something that I already had a natural talent for that I didn't need. You could, basically my parents' opinion was you can write your books on the weekend mm-hmm. when you're not at work. And so I think to that end, I'm a little more, um, maybe a little, I have a little more grit and a little more scrappiness than some of the other people in the field. But I do feel like that also benefited me to some degree because it made me really think about how I could make a difference to people and what I could do to get, get paid to do it. I mean, ultimately, you know, you're going to school, you're expecting to be educated and be able to, you know, achieve certain things, but really you do need a job. (laughs) Everyone needs to have a job. You have to figure something out. So this was kind of my plan B, but I used to joke that, um, I, uh, I was bad at everything else I ever did. And so working with people with disabilities really was the only thing I was ever good at. That's like only half true. It's a little true, but it's not entirely true. That's usually <laughs> just how I explain it to people. Yeah. But, I mean, so because of, because of my background and because of some of the other influences I had, I felt like I couldn't just like do this thing that I wanted to do. I had to do things that like I felt like I had to do. And, but HGFS in particular gave me a great way to prepare for a future career that has been incredibly fulfilling. Mm-hmm. for me. I mean, it has been a very good experience, but that's kind of how I came to it. Yeah. That's a really interesting story. I mean, first of all, I like your point that you made that, um, yes, you did delay your graduation a semester, but a semester delay of graduation is, you know, a, that's very small compared to kind of all of the years, hopefully that you will have after that. And so right, it's been like, I've been out of school for like 16 years. So I'm cool as far as exactly. You know, like, it, and, and anyway, I called it a victory lap anyway. Exactly. So, exactly. Um, you know, and there I, are many people who take a full extra year. I mean, for the same reason, because, you know, they end up switching their major or, or they get delayed for other reasons. And, you know, so, so yeah, I mean, it's kind of, I think it seems like, a bigger deal when you're that age or when you're <laughs> matriculating yeah. through and you know um you're not graduating at this exactly at the same time it seems like this really big deal but then in the long run it's, it's really not a big deal at all <laughs> no ultimately it doesn't end up being a big deal so my advice to people who are like i can't do this particular major i thought i wanted to do then change it so yeah. be it and if you want if you're so obsessed with graduating on time then take summer classes then take more case, just take more work. I mean, like, but I don't think anyone should be so obsessed with it because it truly, nobody's ever like, oh, you didn't graduate in exactly four years. What's up with no, that? No, no. The minute after you graduate, nobody ever cares again. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, they just want to see that you got that degree. Yeah, my husband right. took an extra year. He took an extra year and I know plenty of other people who've done the same thing. And yeah, so, yeah, you're right. Especially non-traditional students and stuff like that. If you hold that against people, I don't know if I'd want to work for you anyway. Yeah, um, I've never you know. looked at that. I've <laughs> never, and I've looked at a lot of resumes in my time, sat there and calculated. Usually you just have the graduation date and that is it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it's not, it's like just not a thing. It's just, it's really not. I mean, as a manager now, even I, I don't think about stuff like that. It's just not important when it comes down to it. I, it's, it, it seems like it's so important at the time. And like, they talk, I know even like schools use it as like a metric excuse me, for like success and stuff. Like we have this many kids that graduate in four years. Yeah, it's important and you should get over with it. I mean, you shouldn't like right. take like the rest of your life, but for non-traditional students in particular, I think it makes, it gives so much pressure, yeah. you know, for people going back to school later in their lives, even when they've done things, that's valuable experience that they're bringing. There's no reason to discount yourself because it took you six years or seven years. I mean, you know, it just doesn't, it doesn't really ultimately matter. Yeah, but just um, get done. <laughs> just get done with it. Yeah, yeah, get the degree. Get out of there. I mean, yeah. it's okay to spend a little extra time. Um, you know, and like I said, I did have a lot of fun when I was at school. It was yeah. very enjoyable. I liked the experience of going to a big state school, um, which was not an experience that I was familiar with. But I really enjoyed having a, um, you know, a college, a real college experience. Was, yeah, more was cool college experience. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you also mentioned something. So I just, um, this episode's not out yet, but you mentioned this idea that um, I've now seen o- across a couple of interviews now 
um, this idea of the kind of second generation college student. So you were first generation on one side of your family mm -hmm. in terms of women, but then this idea that even, I, I, I think it's not discussed as much, this idea of the second generation and the kind of, the kind of unique pressures that they have as well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Kind of, it's like maybe not always feeling as much um, freedom to take risk, you know, in terms of like what the degree will be in or what they will do. So anyway, I've just, I've seen that as a theme. So I thought that was interesting that you brought that up. Absolutely. It, it's, I, I truly think it's a, a thing. There's a great book that I've read that my dad read also um, on my recommendation is called Limbo. Mm -hmm. And it's about basically that generational divide and basically those first generation college kids when they're, when they have their own kids and their own kids are in college there, it's a whole different, I don't even want to call it a psychological experience, but the book is written by a gentleman who he was going to Columbia university while his dad was laying bricks at Columbia mm -hmm. and what that felt like and how it was to be the first person in his family to go to college. And then how he felt also towards his children sometimes and how complicated that could be because yeah. I didn't realize, I think until I kind of looked at that, that my parents also had a lot of complicated feelings about me being able to just like go to college, like go yeah. six hours away to school. And like, ultimately I paid a percentage of it as well because they wanted me to also be invested. They paid uh, most of it, <laughs> but they made me take out loans to ensure that I had some dog in the fight. You know what I mean? They wanted yeah. to make sure that I knew what it was like to have to pay back loans and do all this stuff because they had to do this on their own. Right. And, uh, you know, they really wanted to make sure we understood both my brother and I, that this was, this was not how it was for everybody. Yeah. And this was a privilege really to go to school and to spend this time on yourself. Mm -hmm. Whereas that's not the experience that their families had had or that they had even had up until that right. point. Right. So I, it's just, it's really, it's, you know, like I said, it's complicated, but I, I didn't have a lot of respect for that at the time. I just like, you guys are like ruining my life. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're like just get out of here. <laughs> right. <laughs> just, just don't come back without a job. Yeah. As we're sitting here, I'm like actually reflecting on the fact that I'm actually a second second generation college student. And I remember my dad coming down to visit and like me and a couple of my friends were, um, we had gotten dressed up, conservatively dressed up, by the way, because yeah. we're a pretty conservative <laughs> college, a conservative private school, by the way. But anyway, so dressed up, it's certainly not any sort of... Uh, yeah, wild implications that might be conservatively dressed up to kind of go out. And I, I don't know if we were going to some, if we were going dancing or whatever, but I mean, my dad was like, I didn't like that, you know, see, because he could have this experience <laughs> that he, even though he wanted the traditional college to, experience for me, and by the way, really pushed me to go out, out of state because he did not want to have any limits on me. But I think in his mm -hmm. mind, yeah, you're thinking more towards this academic end goal, which I was thinking towards. I've always enjoyed school, but, mm -hmm. um, but, you know, he didn't have exactly the same college experience, like with this traditional college experience where you get to really spend all this time reflecting on yourself. He was involved in campus activities, um, mm -hmm. but he also worked. I mean, he worked from the time that he was eight years old on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> worked through college. Um, and so, and I worked too, but it was a different, it was a different type of, of pressure. Yeah. Oh um, yeah, totally. I, 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 I totally understand. I mean, I didn't work that hard. I didn't work anywhere near as hard. Yeah, as my as <laughs> no, absolutely not. I could pretend like I did, but yeah. I truly, my focus there was to, to go to school and, you know, if I had a little job or whatever, that was fine, but, right. um, you know, make a little money for myself, but I really, I wasn't my focus and I'm very, very thankful for that because they, helped me so much and be able to uh, provide that for me and provide, you know, living expenses where I didn't have to worry about those kind of things um, too, too much. But yeah, it's, it's a really different experience than um, they had. And it's just something you don't recognize, I think, until you really, I don't consider it. But yeah, I'm definitely going to check out that book. So it was, I forget the author, but I would send it to you. I, um, oh, don't worry. Was, I'll find it. Google's okay. our friend. <laughs> yes, I, highly, I highly recommend it also to understand, get that perspective. And you're kind of on the same vein. That's what really got me into like family studies stuff is the experiences of my own family. And one of my hobbies is genealogy. 
And um, that comes from my love of history, but also like, you know, just interest in how families work and what that means. And even when I was doing stuff in school, I would try to think about families that have children with disabilities or families that have a child with autism. And a lot of times something that I would do in my classwork was to make that my project because it wasn't being discussed. You know, this is the early 2000s. Autism was a thing, but it wasn't really a thing. Right. And there was no like working with special families or working with families that have unique needs. It was like, there was one class called problems of development that I recall. Mm-hmm. That was it. And talking about all different kinds of things, the effect of poverty, effect on racism, the effect of, you know, it was like all the effects that could possibly be. And like, that's probably not how it's done now, but at the time that was what it was. And it was like, I don't even think we had like an atypical development kind of class. So I, I, so I put those into, into like, to work for me, basically, I knew that people with disabilities and their families was the direction I wanted to go. And once I got into the major and everything, and I started making that about my class, like my class project. So if there was a thing about, you have to write about this, then I would research this uh, divorce rates amongst families who have kids with disabilities or, you know, whatever, stuff you like that. It to your interest. <clears throat> yeah, because I was like, some of the stuff was, and I think that some of the people that were in the major also with me didn't even have that perspective either they were just thinking like that they they were on their way sometimes to be like a family or marriage counselor or to you know enhance their own knowledge of family structures and and human development and stuff for their benefit whether they're going to be preschool teachers or move on to something else with a master's degree whatever I don't think that they even thought about those folks either so there wasn't I wasn't going to get assigned a project about stuff like this yeah. You know, if I was interested and in, I needed to pursue it. Right. Well, that's, I mean, first of all, kudos to you for like um, being empowered enough to, you know, exercise the flexibility that you do have. Cause like, yeah, I mean, sometimes you do have some flexibility to tailor mm-hmm. some of these things to your interests. And I think not all, I, sometimes students aren't as purposeful about that. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, but you're right. Yeah. It was a totally different world than ball game in terms of the courses that were being offered and in terms of the research. Now we have, a, you know, an abundance of research, um, related to the field, but, but yeah, it yeah. Was a different ball game then. Um, so tell me a little bit, you did mention that you might have, you know, some side jobs here and there. You mentioned that you definitely enjoyed college. Like, tell me a little bit more about your what you liked about your courses, but then also, you know, anything else that you were involved in on campus, you know, that you would, that stands out to you. Sure. Um, I think I didn't, I didn't do too, too much with like, I did do a couple meetings of the national council on family relations and other things. Um, but what I did spend a lot of time on was I got to know a lot of other young ladies at the time. Um, who were in the same um, major who also were similarly ambitious. Yeah. Um, you know, and we made our own little group. <laughs> you yeah. know, it wasn't, uh, some of those folks, um, one of them is actually uh, someone who is the person who recommended me to chat yes, with you. Erica. Yeah, I know. She's amazing. Oh my God. Dr. I can't even, yes. I can't even. She's just so positive. It just puts me to shame. Yeah. Um, because she's, she's unbelievable. But anyway, so she was one of those folks. She actually let me crash on her couch for like two weeks when my college boyfriend dumped me, whatever. Oh, but, um, <laughs> that's a nice, that's a good friend. She's such a good friend. I mean, she doesn't even know, um, that really saved my butt. Um, but, uh, you know, so there was a group of, and there were some other, um, ladies also, um, that, you know, I felt like we're also ambitious and we do projects together or we, you know, try to take the same classes and, you know, um, it was one of those things. And then we also had um, a pretty team building experience. One of my favorite things, although I didn't love it at the time, but now I love it. Um, and how I got to know Erica so well was we were together in the, um, what's called the um, child, child lab, which doesn't sound right when you say <laughs> it out loud, you know, but it's the daycare center that they run on campus. Mm. And um, they, they still do it and it's like in the hall that the the classes are in for that for the environmental sciences for hgfs and everything um and it you have to pay them to not get paid to work in the daycare center basically for like a practicum 
um, mm -hmm. for like a semester and you have to observe when you're not working and then you work a couple shifts and basically a lot of the kids there are like professors kids so they kind of all know that like oh, the kids are being experimented on because that's not what's happening it's really a daycare center the teachers right. who are in charge are like real early educational professionals and everything but then right. there's just a bunch of college students like filling in on the shifts then so and you have to do like basically a round in every age group but mm -hmm. um i was just assigned to the um like young like young preschool like twos threes fours um which is called yellow door and they um it was a really good experience i have to say like <clears throat> i don't i'm not a huge fan of kids in general um mm -hmm. i like them all right i don't want any yeah of my own i don't want them in my house or anything <laughs> I, I don't i but that was a really fun experience and it also was a good team building experience with some of those other ladies that i'd gotten to know in classes because we we're all kind of in this thing together and um you know just spending all that time you were like working a couple hours um you know at a time a couple days a week and it was just a really it was like a really fun um and good experience and it got you got to let and we had to write papers about what we were doing and the kids yeah. that we met and you know the families we met and everything um and it was just a really it was a really interesting experience and something that i haven't seen other people talk about necessarily but um there's also a couple other um classes that i really enjoyed there was actually a class on um divorce um that was very interesting i don't have any experience with it in my own life um not personally and and not in my you know my parents or anything like that I, I have no experience um so it was interesting to me from that perspective i think it might have been interesting for other people for other perspectives to get you know really they may have their own personal experiences with divorce and so they may be like oh wow and, but like i i just was like oh this is a totally different thing yeah but the book was called when love dies oh and and that was like intense yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know the class is an intense title yeah, yeah it was like a kind of an interesting class i was like oh okay and i think i don't i don't i think i had to sell that one back for money but i i remember thinking gee this is a really good book yeah because it was an interesting title yeah um but <laughs> that's just so we actually called the class when love dies yeah um because you know it's just was like geez it was really intense for what it you know what it was yeah. um but uh, yeah, that's um, a couple of those kind of experiences that I've that I've had uh, that really in school. Stand but, out. Yeah, yeah, but like I said, like kind of that that, that informal group of uh, you know girlfriends that we became um, yeah. was really nice to have, and it was really important in a way that we can uh, also network. You know, I mean, eventually you're all going to get jobs, and eventually you're all going to be out in the world, and you never know who these people are going to end up being. You never know. I've definitely interviewed people on this podcast who have gotten jobs from their former classmates. You never yeah, I mean, you never know. You never know if you're moving to a new city and you're like, oh, you know who lives over here? Someone yeah. lives here and she's got her own law firm. Like, who knew? Yeah. And then, you, you know, I mean, it's just stuff like that where even, and I think other guests have mentioned it also, there's a very interdisciplinary approach for human development and family uh, studies and people, um, end up in all different fields, yeah. including myself. You know, yes. I'm in a very different field than even the other um, students that I was with. I don't know anybody else who's doing the same kind of job that I'm doing from that, from that group, so. Yeah, yeah, it's very interdisciplinary. And like, yeah, yeah, you never know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's the strength and the challenge of the field. And like, yeah, yeah you just never know um thanks for sharing that. i think that that's a, a really good it's it's important you know for to, to build that social component you know even for students who um are super busy during during school i think it is really important to build that that social component for support and just mm -hmm. for mental health but then also you're right you know in terms of building it's practice building relationships and furthering your network and you just never know um, where that reach will end in the future yeah so as you're progressing towards graduation, what are you thinking? What are you hoping for? What are you planning? And then what do you actually end up doing? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what I was thinking. Yeah, I, was, I, was like, I was like, I gotta get out of here. Um, you know, I just, I was really ready to uh, start my life. I was working in um, Columbia for a company that, uh, it was a nonprofit, private nonprofit, 
with a little bit of state money, a little bit of tax money, you know, those kind of different forms of um, funding that we receive for these nonprofits that we work for. Um, and uh, I was working in um, what we call, what used to be called group homes, but now is really kind of like called like community living arrangements or things like that for people with developmental disabilities was an apartment building. And that was a lot of fun. I also met some lovely people who I'm still friendly with and are also still part of like, you know, my network, uh, you know, um, but there's still, uh, you know, even though I didn't work there that long, it's still an important part. So I was working there in my field, trying to get some paid experience because, um, uh, one of the things for having the certification that I, that I have is you have to have at least one year of paid experience. Mm. And if you don't have it, you got to get it. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to get at least some of it down, <laughs> you know, at least a, like six, eight, 12 months. I don't know, something. Um, you know, uh, before I left school. So I was working there um, full time during breaks, but mostly just part time during the school year. Um, and then uh, just getting ready to, to come back. So I came back in the first month that I was home. I had last paycheck from my job. And, um, you know, I sublet my apartment and came back, um, which was really good for me, like, also because I, it was a lot to be home away from home for so long. Yeah. Um, and it was nice to be back kind of like right enough to pay for food and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, just for a little while anyway. Yeah. But, um, so it took some of the pressure off, but I basically, uh, started applying for jobs right away as a staff person, not necessarily as a manager or anything like that. Um, something I think, and I've seen it because I've also through my work work have, um, had a lot of interns and things and, um, in like, other majors. Um, and I haven't necessarily always been like super great at intern stuff, but like I, I try my best and I try to listen to them and try to help them as much as I can. Um, while they're also like, you know, doing projects in the program, whatever, but, um, yeah. they, uh, something I've tried to reinforce is that you're not going to come out of school and be the director of a program with a bachelor's degree. It's not going to happen. So you got to slow your roll a little bit and realize you're going to have to put in work. You don't come out of school being automatically ready to take over an entire nonprofit agency. You know, you think you can, but you're mm -hmm. not. So you're going to have to work second shift sometimes for a year, you know, and get your bearings and figure yeah. out what the path is going to be for you. Um, and so I feel like sometimes people have really, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's also part of being ambitious. I think that people come out of school thinking, well, that's it. I'm going to be able to recreate the whole universe. That's okay. It's a, they should run with that feeling. But for everyone, that's not going to be the case. You know, it's like, especially when you're thinking about these kind of certifications and things and like, excuse me, when you get into places where the state funding and things, you have to have like, you have to follow regulations. You can't just say like, oh yeah, this person just graduated with a bachelor's degree. I bet they can be a manager. No, they're not going to be a manager today. Yeah. You know, so and if, I, and if they somehow wind up as one, they're going to have a mighty steep learning curve. I think sometimes people yeah. don't really, if you've never worked extensively full-time in the field like yeah <laughs> it's, it's gonna be a lot if you go from being a, an intern like a um you know even hdfs or any other related kind of path and you've just been an uh, administrative intern at a, at a nonprofit. i think you're gonna be in for it if you're yeah. like oh yeah i could totally do this yeah they might hire you for it but like whoa <laughs> you know it's gonna be a lot so i i eventually i usually i kind of joke about it I used to be the staff trainer for the agency I work for. So I, some of these jokes I already have, I've been practicing for a long time, but <laughs> I used to, I used to joke about how, like, I just went home and I stayed there for a month and I played the Sims and I lived off like my last $200 before I had to get a job. That's like, not, it's not, it's accurate, but I did. I just, I went home and I was like, no. And I just, I played the Sims and I applied for jobs. I went to Lord and Taylor and I spent a hundred dollars on an interview suit, which that also tells you how old I am and how long ago this was <laughs> that you go to a store and you buy an interview suit. And I used that interview suit twice, once to get the job that I got first. And then once I get the job that basically I'm in now. Um, so I ended up using it as a Halloween costume for, um, uh, as a women's basketball coach. And then I got rid of it because it was, it was out of style. So <laughs> anyway, I didn't hardly, I spent a lot of money on it. <laughs> and I only used it you twice. should have kept it for future Halloween costumes. It could have been I know. I don't know what I was going to do with it. I don't know what I was thinking. I worked. Oh no, that's not true. I wore it to awake once too. And then oh. what my, my supervisor at the time was like, 
are you applying for other jobs? Because it was like obviously an interview student. I'm like, no, I have to go to Wake. She was like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Because <laughs> I thought I was going somewhere else. But anyway. Got your money's worth out of it. It got you two Yeah, jobs. I did. I finally did. It got me two jobs. So it was worth and it. And a quality but, Halloween costume and a respectable Wake costume. Right. Wake so I, I do advise young graduates also buy a good suit. I mean, you don't have to buy like all suits because especially like in the nonprofit sector, I feel like you know, you do, you do want to dress like business casual and stuff, but you know, it's not like a high suit environment. Right. Um, not, not until you get to higher levels or whatever. Usually. And like when I worked directly with people, I was usually in like jeans, t-shirts or blouses. Maybe I'd wear something a little nicer than like a doctor's office. I didn't look like a total like schlub, but, um, you know, like it was very casual. And then as a manager, I'm as business casual, you know, but I think it's worth the investment in like a nice suit. So you have one for interviews or wakes, God forbid. Yeah. Um, you know, and you have something like that. Yeah, conferences. Professional development, pres- yeah. Pre- presentations, you know, you might get selected to tell some people some things. You're going to have to look nice. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You they know, might send then, you out to, to ask donors for money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't know who, what meeting you're going to end up in or whatever. I mean, you know, so it's nice to just have it, um, you know, and like I'm, I've been very blazer focused uh, the last couple said have a nice blazer, I think is a good investment, but, um, yeah, I mean, I spent like half my money in the world on this suit, but well, it, it, got me, it was a good bet on your yeah, part. It was, you it was. <laughs> and I was working, I mean, I was working within, you know, three, four weeks of being home. You know, I just, um, I had uh, a job working directly with people with development disabilities in, um, one of these community integrated living arrangements. And what was your um, specific role in that? Direct service. It was called DSP, which okay. is direct service professional or provider or something that's called person. But um, the P stands for whatever you want it to be, basically. But it's professional. <laughs> and um, it's, a, it's the direct care staff. Okay. So you provide all the direct care to the people that live in that, that home or that location. Um, and I did that for about six months. Yeah, about six months. And I got a promotion to being um, a manager for um like a lead staff it was called a house manager but it was really uh like a lead staff position um so it was like a shift supervisor i don't know a good equivalent because it's such a unique sort of thing but i helped uh do the purchasing i helped you know i helped my manager do a lot of the day-to-day operations tasks of running a household and um you know a little bit of scheduling and then cover doctor's appointments and things like that um help everyone understand stuff and um then I moved what, on to... What would you often mm-hmm. have to do when you were involved with these doctor's appointments? You know, just we had to, we, we, we were trained specifically to pass medications to people under a nurse's license. Okay. Um, so we get a special training for that. Um, and actually the whole DSP training is actually 120 hour training in Illinois where, where I live uh, and work. Um, there's 120 hour training that you have to complete but has foundational knowledge. That's what I used to teach. That's where, where these jokes come from. Um, the it's foundational knowledge about people with disabilities, the disabilities uh, service system, and then on the job training activities. So they have to do all the stuff to show like that they actually can do it. And so I had gone through that at the time that I got hired, even though I'd done some things before it was in a different state. So I had to go and do Illinois. Um, Well, this is training that you can complete after they've hired you for the job. That's nice. Yes, absolutely. You don't have to come in with it at all it's, they really like it when you already have it. But like, in my case, I was a new grad. I really didn't have a lot of experience. I had some jumbled experience working at the school for kids with autism, then, you know, working at this other facility in Missouri. I did have some of those experiences, but, um, I didn't, um, I didn't have quite enough and didn't have like consistent. So they put me in this position where I could eventually be this lead staff, but it wasn't necessarily like, excuse me, an automatic thing you know it was like some people um really enjoy being in the direct care position and like just looking after people and helping them every day that's great i knew with a degree i wanted to do more and help affect change in agency level so i knew that's where i was going but it does take a little bit of time to do that right so um but yes they, there's a training that they provide you with um that uh but anyway the medication piece so with the doctor's appointments and things we would um help prepare the paperwork ahead of time. There's some stuff you have to do, uh, you know, specific forms or things you have to bring. Um, and then also just be like a person who can explain with that, that person with a disability you're bringing 
to the appointment what, what the deal is, especially if they encourage them to say it for themselves. But if they can't say it for themselves, you have to help advocate right. for that person okay. and, ex, you know, explain like, I don't understand that. Or this person, you have to explain it like this, or this person is saying that, um, you know, for the cases where people can speak up for themselves, we want them to do it. But in the cases that people can't, then you're a helpful advocate. And it's important. We just don't, everyone just doesn't go to doctor's appointments. There's usually um, designated staff that assist with doctor's appointments who are more well-versed in not only being a strong advocate for people, but just like medical knowledge and stuff. Okay. Um, and uh, knowing basically a little bit more about that. So I have um, that, you know, the, the training related to that also that was given to be my agency that I work for. Okay. Yeah, that's nice. I mean, you're really learning a lot. Um, just being on the job working and through these various trainings. And so yeah. you then, so you are lead staff. How long do you stay in this lead position? About another six months. Okay. Um, by the following year, a position opened as a case manager or a QIDP. And I applied for that and was accepted for that. In fact, I, it was, I really, I was really happy about that because, um, Sometimes those positions don't, they don't, they don't come up all the time, mm-hmm. but like, if you're there with a couple other people who are kind of in the same boat as you, it can be a little bit of a, not a fight, but like, it can, it can be a competitive market, yeah. um, for those office jobs, you know? Um, and so I was very happy that I was able to, um, move up to that case manager level, which is where you get the QIDP certification. Um, so this is and, another certification that you're able to get after hire. Right. In most places, actually, you really, with the, with that certification is one of those ones that I'm sure they do it differently other places, but like, for instance, in in Illinois, you typically have to already be employed as a QIDP in order to get the training. Okay. Um, It's not, we don't usually, there might be some exceptions to that, but I feel like most of the time people either want to train you themselves to do it, agencies want to train you themselves, or it's not really something you can go ahead and get. Like if I, if you were applying for a case manager position, already had it, but had no experience in that position, I would want to know what's up with that. Yeah. You know, and, and people would be, um, it wouldn't necessarily be to your advantage to take it ahead of time. Like, as opposed to a lot of things where like, oh, we need this kind of this, whatever. It's really an entry level case manager position. So it's okay to be entry level. Mm -hmm. Agencies will typically train you because they want to train you a certain kind of way anyway. Right. So they, they know it's not. If you're coming as an experienced person, you have a couple of years of it, then it's fine. But if you're coming as a new grad, you already have that, it's not suspicious, but we'd be like, what, how did you do that? Exactly. Um, yeah, you know, you know who, <laughs> yeah, where'd you get that? You know, and you don't have any experience. Know, yeah. And you're like zero, zero years of experience. Like, hmm. Um, and there's no like online thing. You can't like, cause it, cause it is specific. The agency basically has to register you as this kind of person. And then they do the training for you and they certify they do the training for you. So they, they, you can't, you can't, um, uh, like you can't like go online and get it or something like it's, it's, it's based on the state and typically the agency itself, even though it is federal designation it has to do with Medicaid waiver funding, which is how we're funded. Um, and how we kind of run the whole thing. Um, it's every state defines how they want, uh, or who, what they want QIDPs to have. So in Illinois, it's a year of paid experience in the field of development of disabilities and um, a bachelor's degree or higher in a human services related field. So it, there's like 10 different degrees, but human development and family studies totally fits. And it would probably fit just about anywhere because it's human environmental sciences or similar depending on how your college defines it. Um, and it's, uh, it's a 40 hour, no, is it 40 hours? I guess, so. yeah, it's 40 hour training. Mm-hmm. that you get from the agency you work for typically there's someone who's a trainer so like I'm also like a trainer for that also I can do that training also but um they uh agency decides who's going to train that usually it's like content experts and within the agency teach you all the ins and outs of being a case manager and uh to the agency's policies and procedures as they like it to be done or however they want it to be mm-hmm. um and then you're also completing actively you're actively in a case management position when you're taking that training. So you're applying these things pretty immediately to what you're doing. Okay. okay. Um, and uh, depending on the agency you work for, there may be like a clinical director or program manager or director that supervises you as um, a case manager. And 
um, the biggest responsibilities as a case manager are um, writing the plans for people because everyone has a right to be treat a right to treatment basically a right to individualized support and treatment and um, so we create and write individualized plans for people that's really the main function and then monthly we're required to complete um, a monthly progress report about how they're doing or not doing or what they've been up to um, and certify that we as the certified case manager say that this person is continuing to work on this goal this person has changed their mind and does not want to do this goal anymore and from there gotcha. basically and the queue also helps coordinate all the services for the person so the person has medical support if the person has a day program services is where I am now person has residential services person the person's family wants to see them you know the, all those things get coordinated through the main hub which is the QIDP interesting okay yeah so you learn so much about these different yeah opportunities okay yeah it's 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 very it's a, a unique kind of job yeah it really is you're getting to really have um I don't know a lot of direct impact on people's daily lives Indeed. Absolutely. It's, it's probably the best part about the job actually is the fact that you do have a direct impact on what happens for people um, and help them to chart the course of their own lives. It's very important to me as an advocate for people with disabilities that they are doing what they want to do and have the support around them to do it. It's not necessarily they're going to do everything 100% the first time out the gate, but that they're learning, that they're getting help, that they're doing this, that they, that looks like they want to like they, it looks like how they want it to look just right. like in our own lives. I get to look, I get to do what I want to do for the most part. There are still societal and familial and all these other things that affect me, but I still get to mostly do what I want and how right. I want. And I get to dress how I want. I get to eat what I want. I get to go where I want. <laughs> well, not, not right now, but in the past, right. before times we were able to go wherever we wanted. Yeah. So, that is one of the critical functions of that case manager position is you are helping to advocate for that person at a different level as a direct staff person you get to advocate on like the really micro level with the person like what you want to put in your lunchbox what do you want to wear today where do you want to go on saturday it's a much different level it's a finer level but at the q level you're able to really help affect like change that person like no i said he wants to go to a different program and you can really push a little bit um you know and tell people like no i think this guy says he wants to do it so let's get him an apartment what yeah. can we do to get him an apartment by himself and sometimes it's not right away you know sometimes you have to talk to people about like hey i know you really want to get married and i appreciate that but i gotta tell you about what that means for your benefits yeah um and so, so this reality portion of it also but um you know and it's not just like all you know, flowers and rainbows making dreams come true every day, but you know, you are really affecting some big changes for that person. You help advocate for them, even sometimes for their own families, in front of their own families, to tell their own families no. Right. <laughs> you know, you're kind of an external person for that. You can say, he doesn't, he does, he has expressed to me he does not want to do that. Yeah. You know, um, and you can help to be that voice. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that, that's the biggest takeaway from the job because we, we really, um, you know, exist for, for the people that we, that we support. Um, and that's, that is really like the best part is just being able to see that you've made their day, you've made them happy. That's awesome. Um, you know, and it, it makes me happy too. That's what, that's why I stay in the field. It's been, you know, a long time that I've been in the field and it's the reason that I keep, I keep staying in the field, even though I think, oh gee, maybe there's something else I can do. Maybe I can translate these skills to something different. And I, I'm like, no. <laughs> I really, no, I really like it. I really like yeah. it. So, um, okay. And, so, okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. No, no, you go ahead. I don't mean to cut you off. No, 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 not at all. I was just going to say, so translating that into like what I'm doing now where I'm working in an environment where we're providing day services to people. And basically that's day programming activities during like the work day, for instance. Okay. That's your current, um, your current kind of title. Program manager for okay. community day services. Okay. So in the before times, I was managing five sites, five outs in the community sites, churches, community centers, all over in the community. Um, uh, and we served about a hundred people a day um, to go out and about in their, in their worlds, go get coffee, go take a walk, go learn this thing, or go volunteer, go to the exercise class. Um, and because our, th our three basic things were like community integration, volunteering, 
and um, physical and like emotional well-being. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if we found a good intern, the intern would help us do yoga. Sometimes that was fun. Um, you know, or we would take walks or play games together or, um, you know, even sometimes just have parties as a group, yeah. have an ice cream social or go to a um, minor league baseball game. Stuff like that was also stuff that we did. It's just part of making someone's day fun. Yeah. So since uh, the pandemic, we've been working in conjunction with the residential supports for all these folks and helping to provide the same kind of services, but just inside. <laughs> yeah. So we still want to have fun, but now we can do inside in our backyards. Okay. So that's mostly what, 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 we've, been, what we've been up to. And now we're, we're slowly but surely trying to reopen some of our um, locations, our external, like our community center locations. Oh, I imagine that's been just such the biggest challenge. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, no, it's definitely, it's definitely been challenging. It's, it's something that like, obviously nobody anticipated this happening. Yeah. Um, you know, not at this level for certain. And um, so it is, it's been uh, a, a amazingly unique challenge. I mean, I don't think we'll see anything like this ever again for this field or any other field. Oh, um, <laughs> but you know, we're, yeah, I hope not too, but we're, we're definitely essential workers. So we've been working this whole time. Um, yeah. you know, going to work and uh, going to Costco and all kinds of stuff, trying to look after people and make sure that they have what they need and that they're enjoying themselves um, to some degree. I mean, every day, like I said, it's not going to be uh, super fun, not during global pandemic, but we try our best to make sure that people are engaged, they're doing things, they're occupied, they're pursuing their hobbies, they're able yeah. to get out and about a little bit. Um, but we have been able to do some of the real fun stuff that we prefer to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully things will get back to normal sooner or later. <laughs> yeah, I know. I hope so. Yeah, it's nice y'all are starting to be able to do a little bit more. But it is amazing, though, um, that during times like these, that your clients have an, an advocate, you know, and a group that advocates like, you know, like your organization. Oh, absolutely. We're very proud of that. And we'll probably continue to, I think we'll, I, I know I'll be, the people I work with, I should say, when I say we, the people I work with and myself are, I think, very proud of that. Okay. Well, is there anything else that you wanted to share that I didn't ask? And then too, do you have any advice for students or new professionals, maybe who are interested in working with individuals dis with disabilities or, um, I don't know, or just in all, just in life, whatever you want to share. This is your open forum now. <laughs> well, besides the interview suit thing, which I still, I still believe, I also think that if you are interested in continuing education to getting a master's degree or being a master's level staff in the field of disabilities, services and stuff, you may not need uh, a, a master's degree immediately and it may not actually help you at first. Um, it may be something that helps you in like, later so it may not be important to graduate with a master's degree at first like the first time you look for the job yeah um you know it, it may be something that over time you develop an interest in a specific area like for instance you could get a master's degree in social work because you want to become a licensed staff you don't want to like be a licensed counselor or something and you find yeah. that out by working in the field or you want to be in nonprofit management so you can uh get a um master's degree, either business administration or something similar that has a nonprofit management track. I think that would be, personally, that would be my advice is to, if you, if you don't know exactly, if you don't know that right now, that you don't know if you want to be a counselor, or you don't know if you want to do this track or that track, I'd say get the job and spend some time with the experience and then decide where you want to go with the master's if that's truly what you'd like to do. Yeah. Because it may not be something that, you know, it's not like, I know in some other social services, especially have to be already licensed counselor, you have to already be a licensed social worker to get the job. But in the field of disabilities, you don't always have to have that. You can have a bachelor's degree like in a human services field, mm -hmm. like I do, and go from there, you know, and okay. build your own experience. And then also if you find you like something a lot, then you know, okay, that's maybe where you want to specialize, but you don't necessarily have to like come in like that. And that kind of, by that point, you've learned, like you said, about this, I mean, because there are different types of master degree, master's degree. Yeah. So you've learned specifically, oh, I'm specifically interested in this particular role within this organization, which you never would have known about before actually getting right. some experience. And so now you know that you're pursuing definitely the, the type of degree that's linked to that job. Right. And you get that, that specialization. Sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Oh, no, no, um, no, no, no. 
you get the specialization that uh, you intend. You know what I mean? Like you're not just specializing in like blank something. Like you, you're like, oh, you know what? I really like. I, I really want to be in um, nonprofit HR, right? Or something like it. You know, like I really dig that. I mean, that that's fine if people dig that, but like I, I don't that, that's not my scene. But like you know, if they really are into it. They really want to. Do that, they really want to be a counselor. Then that they should specialize in that, but they don't need to. You know, they don't need to come into the field that way. That's good to know. So, but we encourage people who are interested. In, I, I mean, I encourage people who are interested in the field. People I know and myself, um, anybody who's interested in the field of um, disability services, I think it's a great opportunity with a lot of different kinds of things um, yeah. that you can be doing. And it's also super duper rewarding. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah this it's, it's a good so time. Interesting. Yeah, this has been so interesting. Thank you so much for sharing all this amazing information. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me. It was very enjoyable. And I hope that um, I, uh, I helped somebody maybe think about a career in this path. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, uh, we always hear a lot um, of interest among working with individuals with disabilities from students. So I'm sure that this is going to be super valuable information for them. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Hi, this is Erica again. I have a quick update. At the time in which we recorded this interview, Allison was the program manager for Community Day Services. Since that time, she has received a promotion and her new title is Director of Community Living and Community Day Services Programs. So the work is still similar, but she's working at a new level with new responsibilities and challenges. Congrats on your new role, Allison. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the HDFS Careers Podcast. If you have recommendations for HDFS or other family science alumni to interview, please reach out to me at hdfscareers.com. Don't worry if they're not working in a job that would normally be considered in the field. I'm interested in hearing a variety of stories, especially if they're working outside of academia. If you like this podcast and want other people to be able to find it, please rate it and review it in iTunes or share it on social media. Until next time, keep exploring your future possibilities.